For 513 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast, I'm your host, John Chick. Just want to thank you guys for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. And the Rangers tonight going to be back in action against the San Jose Sharks. The puck drops at 10.30 p.m. Eastern time. I'm definitely looking forward to that matchup. Also, definitely looking forward to the Rangers no longer playing any more West Coast games. In fact, after this game tonight against the Sharks, there will not be a single New York Ranger game for the rest of the regular season that starts any later than 8 p.m. And I think that's probably music to the ears of a lot of people out there. But you know what? One more West Coast game starts at 10.30. Yeah, we're all going to be up late, but that's okay. Tomorrow's Friday anyway. Uh, if we're a little tired at work, we're a little tired at work. The Rangers are in action. And we got to support our guys. But uh, today, what I really wanted to do, this is an episode that I've been talking about for a while. I've been basically asking all of the listeners for their idea as far as who the Rangers might want to look to trade for at or near the deadline this season. And it's something that I've come back to every now and then. It's just fun given the fact that the Rangers are actually in a position to be buyers. But yeah, I want to hear from you guys as well. Uh, who are some of your favorite targets? You know, is there anybody that uh, maybe isn't really being rumored? Something that's a little bit off the wall? Anything of that sort. Basically, any idea you can come up with, I was happy to hear about it and uh, happy to talk about it here on today's episode. And uh, we're just going to kind of run right through it here. I'm going to go through uh, some of the ideas that you guys had. Uh, this first email comes to us from Jason C. Jason actually sent me this email back in December and you're going to see why that's relevant in just a second. But let me just go ahead and read Jason's email. He's got two trade targets for the Rangers this season. This is what Jason had to say. I would absolutely love to have JT Miller back, not just for nostalgia purposes, but because I think he's exactly what we need. Philip Forsberg is another trade target. If Nashville falls out of the bubble for the last wildcard spot, I could see him being available. However, it would probably take the farm to get him. And as I just mentioned, like like I said, Jason sent this email back in December. And when he sent this email, Nashville was at best, you know, a middle-of-the-road team, uh, really kind of looking like a fringe playoff team. But uh, they have since turned that around quite a bit. They now are in first place in their division. So obviously that probably also changes their approach to the trade deadline as well. But uh, regardless, I'm going to go ahead and talk about both these players. We'll start with JT Miller, the former New York Ranger. And as far as the contract is concerned, JT Miller is in the second to last year of a five-year, $26.25 million deal. That is an average annual value of $5.25 million. I think probably most people listening to this are pretty much aware of the fact that JT Miller is a former New York Ranger, but we could have some you know new Ranger fans that have kind of picked this team up in the last year, last couple of years here. But I'll kind of take it from the top as far as anybody wondering about JT Miller and what kind of player he is. Miller currently... 28 years old. He was actually a former first-round pick by the New York Rangers back in 2011, and he is currently in his third year with the Vancouver Canucks. And I got to say, he's become a heck of a player uh, while playing with Vancouver. The Canucks haven't really had a lot to cheer about, a whole lot of bright spots over these past couple of seasons here. But JT Miller is definitely one of them. He's basically become a point-per-game player over the last three years here. Prior to playing for Vancouver and also for Tampa Bay, he spent the first six seasons of his career with the Rangers. He also was on the team when they went to the Stanley Cup Finals, although uh, he played in just 30 regular season games and four playoff games in that run. Had a much bigger role the following year when the Rangers made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. Of course, you know, this trade comes up every so often. He was then dealt alongside Ryan McDonough to Tampa Bay uh, in a trade that really didn't work out all that great for the Rangers. Uh, but unfortunately for Miller, he left the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, one season too early. He was traded to the Canucks, and then the following season is when the Lightning won their first of the two Stanley Cup Finals. And that pretty much brings us to now. 
Uh, as far as him being a fit for the Rangers, I love it. I, I think he's definitely, uh, you know, probably in my top five at least as far as trade targets out there, you know, potential pickups for the New York Rangers at or near the deadline this season. You got to look, though, at uh, where the Canucks are in the standings. I think that's going to determine a lot of, you know, these teams' approaches. Obviously, if you're in playoff positioning, you're not going to be trading guys away from your team more often than not. And if you're on the outside looking in, that's when you're looking to kind of rebuild, you know, trade a veteran player for uh, an intriguing piece or two. The Canucks currently six, six points out of the playoffs. If it stays like that, then I think for sure they would be in the market to, you know, maybe move on from a couple of their veteran players. They've got a new coach in place. Bruce Boudreau uh, has taken over for them in midseason here. Uh, the Canucks have played better recently, but like I said, if they're still on the outside of the playoff picture looking in, I would have to believe they would be at least open to dealing JT Miller. It's not like they would have to trade him because he is still under contract for another season next year. Uh, so obviously, you know, the Canucks, if they feel like they're moving in the right direction, then they might want to hold on to Miller, uh, you know, through the deadline this season and see where they stand around this time next season. Uh, but I think certainly they'd at least be open for business. And I like Miller. I mean, fairly physical player. Like we said, uh, his scoring and his offensive production has gone to new levels while playing for the Vancouver Canucks, which is really weird when you think about it, because he's on the Tampa Bay Lightning for a couple of seasons. You know, there's guys like uh, Stamkos and... Victor Hedman and Kucherov. I mean, the list basically goes on and on. Braden Point, you guys know how good the Lightning are. It's just very strange to see a player leave the Tampa Bay Lightning and then see an immediate uptick in his offensive production. But that's what we've gotten from JT Miller. And again, the position versatility, you got to love that. He can play any of the three forward positions. And I think the way things stand right now, if, if the Rangers were to uh, you know pick up the phone and talk to Vancouver and bring JT Miller back to New York... I think he could be looking at a situation where he might step right into that second line right wing role. As we've talked about on this podcast in the past, the Rangers have kind of had a little bit of a revolving door in that position uh, over the last couple of seasons here, really. So uh, Miller could be your solution to that for the rest of this season. The only thing that gives me a little bit of pause about Miller and what makes this a little bit tricky is that he's not a strict rental player, which for the most part is what I'd be interested in this season. I don't want the Rangers to uh, commit too much money to somebody that they bring in on a trade because it could handcuff them in terms of other things that they're looking to do. It could handcuff them in terms of potentially bringing Ryan Strom back on a new deal next season. And as we mentioned, JT Miller is in the second to last year of his five-year $26.25 million deal. However, I will say this, of all the players you know that I've seen on this list and that I've kind of gone over looking at potential trade targets... JT Miller is the one guy that maybe I would make a little bit of an exception for because he is only under contract for this season and next season. That's first and foremost. But also, I mean, you're talking about a point per game player. That's what JT Miller has been over these past three seasons with the Vancouver Canucks, despite, you know, the team not really doing all that great. And JT Miller at $5.25 million. Yeah, that's a little bit of a steal. Um, so I'd be more open to Miller. Uh, than I would a lot of the other non-rental trade targets that I've that I've heard about, you know, and that I've, I've looked into here. But you know, it could spell the end for Ryan Strom if you bring in JT Miller. Of course, you know, the Rangers could trade for JT Miller and then trade him away in the offseason. That's something else that I suppose would also be on the table as well. But yeah, I mean, on the surface, I like JT Miller a lot. And $5.25 million for one more season of Miller, I can't really argue with that. I mean, it, it's not that bad of a price. As far as Philip Forsberg, he is in the final year of a six-year $36 million deal. So he would be a rental, you know, a true rental. And you know, on the surface, again, Philip Forsberg is somebody that I really like, but as I mentioned just a second ago, the landscape has changed quite a bit since we got this email from Jason. The Predators now on top of their division, so I can't see any way possible that the Predators would trade 
who I believe is their longest tenured player. I mean, he's been there for a decade, so uh, I believe he's been there longer than anybody else, and he's having a heck of a season for himself. He is on the COVID list right now, but he's got 29 points in 26 games, uh, 18 goals and 11 assists to be exact. He's never been a point-per-game player in his career. I mean, he's a very, very good player, but he's never hit that point-per-game uh, threshold, and he has a chance to do it this season. So again, in theory, yeah, I would love to add Philip Forsberg to this Ranger team. The only other thing there, you know, apart from just the simple fact that the Predators are now contenders and seem very, very unlikely to deal Philip Forsberg, is the very simple fact that Forsberg plays left wing almost exclusively, and that's where the Rangers are very, very deep. How would he do on the right side? I mean, who's to say for sure? Maybe he could go over there and it wouldn't be an issue at all. Um, but, you know, if he were to come over to the Rangers in a trade, even though that seems very unlikely at this point, I think they'd probably ask him to uh, to play the right side. They're, they've already got Alexi Lafreniere moving over to the right side, and you've got Kreider and uh, Panarin on the left side. So, yeah, I, I think Forsberg... He wouldn't come over to the Rangers without having to change positions. And so uh, for that reason, and the simple fact, once again, that the Predators are having a heck of a season for themselves all of a sudden, uh, yeah, I, I just can't see that happening. I like Forsberg in general, but I just don't see there being a, a fit there. Unless, you know, the only way is if the Predators basically just determined that, you know what, there's no way we can re-sign him after this season. He's out of our price range. We have other priorities. I don't know how contract negotiations are going between Forsberg and the Predators, if there even are any contract extension negotiations happening right now. But yeah, again, just looking at this, uh, you know, it just doesn't really seem that likely to me. But we will continue talking about a couple of the other ideas that you guys had as far as trade targets are concerned in just a second. All right, just wanted to thank you guys for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. We've also got an email from Eddie, and Eddie lays out a couple of forwards that he's interested in, so I'll just kind of uh, read you his thoughts on them and then kind of uh, provide a little bit of feedback here as well. He starts with Tomas Hurdle, uh, top six center, expiring contract, good size, good face-off guy, checks all the boxes. He also mentions JT Miller. Brings everything jury wants and position flexibility. Would love to get him back. Riley Smith plays the right side. Brings experience, leadership, and consistent middle six scorer. Johnny Goudreau, top six forward, expiring contract, 28 years old. Evan Rodriguez, not sure if the Pens would trade in division, but he also checks all the boxes. And... Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of guys I like here. I think we can rule out Evan Rodriguez. We can start with him just because, and again, you know, Eddie sent this a while back. The Penguins were scuffling a little bit to start the season, but as I've said on this podcast over and over again, I'm convinced now more than ever, the Penguins and the Bruins are two teams that are just never going to go away. As much as we Ranger fans want to see that these teams get old and just kind of age out and have to have some kind of a crazy fire sale, it just doesn't seem like it's ever going to happen at this point. I'd love to see it happen, but hasn't happened yet. So, but yeah, you know, the Penguins are on fire. I can't see them uh, trading anybody off of their roster, uh, much less somebody like Evan Rodriguez, who's having a, a really nice breakout season. But everybody else, I mean, as far as them potentially being traded, I think nothing is off the table here. Uh, obviously, we already talked about JT Miller, so we can skip by him. But Tomas Hurdle is somebody that I've always liked, and I think uh, to Eddie's point here, he could slot right in. Uh, he mentions top six center. I would see him more as kind of like a middle six center on the Rangers. He's somebody that could maybe give the second power play unit a little bit of a jolt for the Rangers. And again, I, I realize that part of the second power play unit's uh, inability to score on the power play, at least part of it, is that they're not out there all that often. But um, I, I think he would definitely improve that unit and probably find a home for himself there. Uh, to Eddie's point, Tomas Hurdle is a very good face-off guy, and anybody that's listened to this podcast for any amount of time, you guys know I'm dying 
to see somebody on the Rangers who you can rely on to consistently win more than half of his faceoffs. I think Kevin Rooney might still be over 50% this season, uh, but typically for his career, he has not been at 50%. And Tomas Hurdle, uh, for all of the last seven seasons, he has had a success rate in the faceoff circle of anywhere between 51% and 56%, and he's at 52% this season. So yeah, I mean, I think he checks all the boxes like Eddie was saying. And I'd also just kind of like to see what he could do on that third line. You know, I don't know what the Sharks would do. They're kind of a fringe playoff team right now, slightly on the outside looking in. I mean, technically, they're the second wild card team right now, but they're only one point ahead of Calgary, and Calgary has like four games in hand on them, so they're kind of on the outside looking in. I don't know. Would San Jose do a trade, and would the Rangers do a trade, uh, something like Philip Hedl for Tomas Hurdle straight up? And I'm not necessarily campaigning for that, although, you know, Hedl has definitely struggled this year. I could see him having some appeal to the Sharks as something as a buy-low candidate. And for the Rangers, you know, Tomas Hurdle, again, just adding a little bit of bottom six scoring that they right now lack. There's no other way to say it. When you look at the Rangers' bottom six forwards, they just don't score very often. And I'd like to see what Hurdle could do. I mean, if the Rangers were to actually do that trade, Hedl for Hurdle straight up, that's quite the tongue twister right there. But yeah, the Ranger third line, you know, the quote-unquote kid line of Lafreniere and Hedl and Gautier has scuffled a little bit. They just can't seem to finish their scoring opportunities. I think Hurdle could definitely help them in that department, and it'd just be interesting to see what Lafreniere and Gautier could do if they're sharing the ice with, you know, a veteran, somebody who's got a lot of NHL experience. This is his ninth season in the league. He's been in the playoffs a good amount of times as well. So uh, yeah, call me a fan of, of Tomas Hurdle for sure. I think he'd be a great rental piece for the Rangers. Uh, another guy, once again, that Eddie mentions here is Riley Smith. And, you know, we talked about Smith not too long ago. And, you know, at first you look at it and you say, well, the Vegas Golden Knights are in first place. Why would they trade him? But, you know, that trade where they acquired Jack Eichel, uh, that kind of leaves them in dire straits as far as the salary cap is concerned. So they might have to just dump Riley Smith's contract and, uh, you know, bring in a prospect, draft pick, whatever it might be. But if the Rangers could acquire Riley Smith just for, you know, a couple of draft picks, I'd be on board with that too. Because again, the Rangers are not in a position where they have to stockpile draft picks and young prospects. Uh, like I said in yesterday's episode, we've moved beyond that. I, I really feel like we're beyond the rebuilding phase of what the Rangers are doing. Uh, so to bring in a guy like Riley Smith, you know, it's funny because we did a crossover episode with Sarah Evampato not too long ago. We were talking about Philip Deneau and how the Rangers uh, seem to have at least some interest in him uh, during last season's free agency period. But the thing that I said about Deneau, and I think it kind of applies for Riley Smith as well, these guys are like a B-plus at everything. They just have good, rock-solid, strong, all-around games. And Riley Smith, he plays the right wing, to Eddie's point here, and I think he's somebody that could slot in pretty naturally on the right wing on uh, the Panarin line. And when the Rangers played the Knights not too long ago, I was really impressed by Riley Smith. I know he went into that game in a little bit of a scoring drought, but he ended up with two assists. And on top of that, uh, he's a lot faster than I realized. I never really thought of him as the speedy player, but he showed some really impressive burst uh, during that game against the Rangers on a couple of occasions. So I, I really like Riley Smith as well. He seems pretty likely to be traded unless Vegas can trade some other you know, players away that are making a decent amount of money. We'll, we'll see how that shakes out there with them. Uh, and then the other guy that Eddie mentioned was Johnny Gaudreau. And Gaudreau is 28 years old. He spent his entire season with the Calgary Flames, and he also has an expiring contract making $6.75 million this season. It is tantalizing to think about what Johnny Gaudreau could do on a line with Artemi Panarin and Ryan Strom. That could really be a ton of fun. 
And Gaudreau having a really nice bounce-back season for himself. His production tailed off just a little bit in the last couple of seasons. I mean, not dramatically, but you're so used to seeing Gaudreau put up these gaudy video game-like numbers that when he clocks in at under a point per game, as he's done in each of the two preceding seasons, it starts to make your eyebrows go up a little bit. But this, so far this season, off to a great start. 38 points in 33 games with the Flames, 15 goals and 23 assists to be exact. And the Flames are in a tough spot because do you trade this guy who's basically been the face of your franchise? Do the Flames think that they can work out some kind of a long-term deal with him after this season ends? Are they ready to kind of tear things down and rebuild? Because I got to say, you know, watching the Flames play the Rangers twice this season, they basically just absolutely annihilated them in both games. But now you look at it and the Flames are sliding back down the standings once again, as the Sharks are. They're kind of a fringe playoff team. And the Flames, it's just weird because it looks like they have all the talent in the world. They've even added some toughness to their team this season, it would appear. And yet... It just never seems to come together for this Calgary Flames team. So what do you do if you're Calgary? Do you keep Johnny Gaudreau in the fold with a long-term extension? Or are they ready to, uh, you know, shop him and try to get a King's Ransom and basically blow everything up and start all over? And one other thing to consider here as it pertains to Gaudreau, I think of all the players on Eddie's list here, he would probably command the biggest return as far as what the Rangers would have to give up in order to acquire him. So, uh, yeah, I mean, very, very intriguing. It'd be a ton of fun to see Johnny Gaudreau, a tremendously skilled player, play with a bunch of other tremendously skilled players on the New York Rangers and, uh, you know, have him in the fold for what we hope is a playoff run. But I do think there'd be at least a significant piece or two going back in the opposite direction because if the Flames do decide that they want to go down that road and trade Johnny Gaudreau, I don't think they're going to have any shortage of suitors. I think teams are going to be lining up trying to bring him in uh, for a stretch run here. Doesn't mean that the Rangers shouldn't do it. I mean, hey, if the Rangers have kind of arrived a little bit earlier than we thought they were going to, quote unquote, and if they've got a chance to make a deep run in the playoffs, then hey, I mean, go ahead and pull the trigger on something significant like this. Somebody's going to do it. So why not the Rangers? And if they got to give up a, you know, a prospect or a draft pick, prospects and draft picks are just that. They're prospects and draft picks. You know, there's no guarantee that they're going to work out in a great way. We know Johnny Gaudreau is a heck of a hockey player and uh, he would make the Rangers infinitely better. I mean, he, he is a fantastically skilled player and somebody that, uh, you know, again, would give them all the more offensive fireworks and somebody that could really make them a better team come playoff time this season. And we'll continue going through some of your guys' ideas in just a second here. But first, just want to let everyone know that today's episode of Locked on New York Rangers is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. New year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code Locked On to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, do not wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. Eddie's also got a couple of other potential Ranger trade targets uh, as far as the defenseman position is concerned. We'll get back to that toward the end of the episode, but uh, first, wanted to uh, kind of shift to a Twitter message that I got from Dan. Uh, Dan is not feeling the idea of the Rangers trading Alex Georgiev this season, and this is what he had to say about it. 
Don't trade Georgie. With Georgiev, we all know he could start for a lot of teams in this league. He's had some rough times, obviously, because of playing time, but I believe the squad will rally around him, and he'll come up big. I've always liked him. I thought he was the man to replace Hank until the name Igor popped up. He can be the number two because the team and the coach, I think, have his back. I know I'm in the minority with my feelings toward Georgie, but he has been tutored under Benoit Allaire. And yeah, I think Dan makes some great points there. And I should also point out that Dan was kind of uh, ahead of the game a little bit here because he definitely sent this uh, direct message to me before Alex Georgiev really kind of caught fire this season. Uh, I believe maybe at that time Georgiev had had a decent start or two, but we all know how much Georgie struggled at the start of the season. And uh, you know, Dan kind of called it that Georgiev would eventually right the ship and uh, you know handle business while Igor Shosturkin was out of the lineup, and of course, we've seen Georgiev do that uh, quite often this season. Anytime Georgiev has, uh, you know, a good amount of playing time, and he's kind of the man, it seems like he plays well. And so, yeah, I think some great points by Dan. And as I talked about in yesterday's episode, I really do think it's about 50-50 as far as, you know, whether Georgiev could be traded or not, because as always, there's two schools of thought here. You could trade him right now while he's hot and maybe get a pretty significant piece in return for him, which, you know, I'd be open to that idea. But, you know, by that same token, if you trade Alex Georgiev, you're playing with fire a little bit because we have seen Igor Shesterkin suffer, you know, a couple of injuries uh, throughout his early tenure in the NHL. And of course, right now he's on the COVID list. That could happen to anybody. That's nobody's fault. But, you know, if you trade Alex Georgiev and then Igor Shesterkin gets hurt, you know, a game or two before the playoffs start, now you're really up against it a little bit. I mean, I think at that point it's Keith Kincaid, and you know Kincaid's done all right when the Rangers have asked him to jump into the lineup. But like I mentioned in yesterday's episode, I don't know that you're getting through four rounds of the playoffs with Keith Kincaid. So Dan makes some good points here, and it really could go either way. It's a tough call whether to deal Georgiev or not. I think as always, or at least most of the time, it comes down to, well, what could you get for Alex Georgiev? Is he you know, the final piece for a trade that lands you, you know, Johnny Gaudreau is a rental, for example. We just got done talking about Gaudreau. Uh, if that's the case, you know, I think it's something you definitely have to entertain. But if you're just trading Alex Georgiev for, you know, a second or third round draft pick, I pass on that. Because again, the Rangers are past the point of stockpiling draft picks for a rebuild. The rebuild is over in my estimation. So uh, some very interesting points by Dan. And uh, hey, Props to Dan for, again, being kind of ahead of the curve here and, uh, you know, kind of seeing that Alex Georgiev would eventually write the ship and get it together because Georgiev has done all that and more over the uh, past couple of weeks and months of the season here. We also got a message from Brendan from Melbourne, Australia. He just said, I hope for Kessel. And uh, yeah, you know, Phil Kessel is somebody who, you know, his name's obviously going to come up, whether it's the Rangers or really any team in the NHL looking to be buyers at or near the deadline this season. I think Phil Kessel is probably more of a slam dunk to be traded uh, than anybody else in this league right now, simply because he's a 34-year-old, he's on an expiring contract, and he's playing for the Arizona Coyotes, who are absolutely god-awful and have exactly zero incentive to hang on to Kessel uh, through the deadline this season. They might as well just try to create some kind of a bidding war, see what they can get for him, deal Kessel, and uh, just try to move on. Um, so he's, again, just a complete slam dunk to be traded. He's never been like a real favorite of mine overall, Phil Kessel. He's got kind of an oddball personality. Not that that's the worst thing in the world, but I don't know. I mean, he's 34 years old. He would seem to be in decline a little bit, although I suppose you have to grade him on a little bit of a curve given that he's been playing with the Arizona Coyotes for the past three seasons. Uh, this year, he's played in 34 games, five goals and 18 assists, so 23 points in the 34 games. And as I mentioned, his his production has really dipped over the past couple of seasons with Arizona. With all that said, though, 
He's only four years removed from a campaign in which he scored 82 points in 82 games with the Pittsburgh Penguins. And the season before that, he had 92 points in 82 games. So maybe you can catch lightning in a bottle a little bit with Phil Kessel. Maybe he's kind of reinvigorated by the trade to a contender. He's somebody who does have Stanley Cup playoff experience, and he's actually won a couple of Stanley Cups with the Pittsburgh Penguins. So I'd be open to it, uh, but again, I, I don't think he'd be all that close to the top of my list, but you could probably do worse than a Phil Kessel, and if you brought him in as a rental, uh, again, he plays right wing, so maybe he steps in there where the Rangers are obviously very thin. It's food for thought. You know, I wouldn't be completely against the idea of trading for Phil Kessel. I just think there's a couple of guys that are a little bit higher on my list than Kessel. One other point about Phil Kessel, it does look like he has a full no-move clause, so he would have to give the thumbs up for any deal that he's a part of. And then we got this message from Salvador on Twitter. If Claude Giroux somehow became open to a trade, how many teams have the cap space to bring him in, even at 50% retained salary? And I don't know offhand, you know, without going through every single uh, team uh, that might be interested in trading for a Claude Giroux, um, but I don't know that I see this happening simply because I don't expect the Flyers to trade within their division. But I should back up for a second here because it must be noted that Claude Giroux is in the final year of his contract. So maybe the Flyers wouldn't really care that much about trading him to the Rangers simply because they know he's going to be an impending unrestricted free agent at the end of the season anyway. Um, as far as Giroux himself, you know, he's having a pretty nice season. Flyers are not really having such a hot season, but in 32 games with the Flyers this season, Giroux has 11 goals, 18 assists for a total of 29 points in those 32 games. Uh, he spent his entire season with the Flyers. This is his 15th year with the Flyers, if you can even possibly believe that. He's 34 years old. And when this name was first suggested by Salvador here, you know, at first glance, I was kind of like, ah, we really want to bring in somebody from the Flyers. This guy's been the Ranger enemy for so long. But the more I look at it, the more I almost kind of talk myself into this a little bit. Uh, for starters, I don't think, once again, the Flyers will have any shortage of suitors when it comes to potential dance partners in a Claude Giroux trade. But... If you look at the way the Rangers are currently constructed, uh, one thing that's really nice about Giroux is he gives you a little bit of, of position flexibility. He can play left wing and he can play center. Now, the Rangers, as we've talked about, really don't have any need at left wing. I do wonder if they would consider maybe putting him as like the second line center and then you could move Ryan Strom over to the right wing. And now you've got a second line of Claude Giroux centering Artemi Panarin and Ryan Strom. That sounds pretty nasty. And it's almost a little bit of two birds with one stone because Claude Giroux gives you a little bit more depth at center. That also frees up Ryan Strom to play the right wing, which he can do. We don't see him do it very often because over these past few years, uh, the Rangers' biggest deed has been at center. And so that's where you see Ryan Strom. Um, so that's an idea. I don't know if that would mess up the chemistry but between Strom and Panarin. I don't think that it would, uh, but obviously Strom would be playing a new position. But all of a sudden, man, that looks like a pretty lethal second line for the Rangers there. Giroux centering Panarin and Strom. So something that I'm a little bit more into than I thought it would be when I first heard his name mentioned. Uh, but again, I just don't know how likely it is. And I realize it would only be as a rental, but I don't know how likely it is that the Flyers would deal Claude Giroux to their bitter rival, the New York Rangers. But we'll see. I think Giroux, a uh, pretty good bet to be traded at some point this season here. Uh, but we'll go ahead and turn our attention back to Eddie. Eddie sent a separate email where he had a couple of uh, defenseman targets that he wanted to go over. And uh, this is what he came up with. He's got Mark Giordano, Anton Strollman, Nick Letty, and Rasmus Ristolainen. And we'll start with Mark Giordano. 
Uh, Giordano is 38 years old. He is on an expiring contract. And in fact, I should mention that all these players listed by Eddie here are on expiring contracts. So the Rangers wouldn't have to worry about taking on, you know, big money contract for seasons to come here. All these guys will be free agents at the end of the season. Uh, Giordano, once again, 38 years old, taken by the Seattle Kraken from the Calgary Flames in the expansion draft this past uh, off season, and certainly I would imagine that the Kraken would be looking to trade Giordano. Uh, they don't have any reason to hang on to a 38-year-old defenseman at this point. I would assume they probably brought him in for a little bit of leadership. Uh, this is somebody that gets a ton of block shots every season, chips in a little bit offensively. I will say his age concerns me a little bit, and I'll admit I haven't watched a ton of Seattle Kraken games this season. It's not like I've gone game by game and, and broken down you know, every Mark Giordano shift or anything like that, but in doing some research for this, the general consensus is that uh, Giordano has slipped a little bit uh, the last couple of seasons here, the last two or three seasons. Uh, his production and his, uh, you know, overall just play has dipped a little bit, and that tends to happen when you're getting to your late 30s. And really, a lot of this could depend for me on how the Ranger bottom defenseman fare the rest of the season here. And, and to be fair to Eddie, you know, he sent this email before Zach Jones made his season debut this season. Obviously, he sent it before Braden Schneider got caught up to the NHL. So a lot of it could hinge on, you know, whether those guys play well and whether the Rangers feel good about them going into a playoff run. If they don't feel so good about them and you want to bring in Mark Giordano as kind of a rental and let's just kind of let Giordano empty the tank, make one more run at a Stanley Cup championship, then okay, you know, I could get on board with that. Giordano throughout his whole career has been a top four defenseman. Uh, I would imagine he'd be open to bottom pair minutes, and that's a way that you could kind of, uh, you know, nullify the fact that he is getting a little bit older. If he's playing bottom two minutes, then that would work in his advantage, I would think. And again, it's just a veteran player, which the Rangers do not have a lot of as things currently stand. So I'd be intrigued with Mark Giordano. I don't think it would take a ton to get him either. I would imagine there'd be some interest, but I don't think teams are going to be breaking the bank to land a 38-year-old Mark Giordano. So I'd be interested in him. As for Strawman and Letty, I'm going to kind of lump the two of them together simply because I, I think there's some similarities there in that I'm not really that interested in a depth defenseman. Like, if if the Raiders were going to bring somebody in, then I want it to be a clear upgrade on what they're currently getting out of their third defensive pairing. And, I mean, you look at somebody like Anton Strawman, and let me just preface this by saying Strawman was one of my favorite players when he was on the Rangers. I don't think he ever got enough due. Um, you know, he was only here for three years, but he was part of some big-time deep playoff runs, including the season where the Rangers made it to the Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, but he really hasn't been that good in recent seasons. I know uh, toward the end of his tenure with the Panthers, he was a healthy scratch quite often. I don't think it's really gone all that much better for him with the Coyotes. I mean, he was basically just a salary dump uh, for the Coy for the Panthers, rather, trading him to the Coyotes. And Nick Letty, I mean, he's only 30 years old. Strawman's 35, by the way. But he's not really having that great of a season in Detroit. And again, I mean, yeah, he'd be maybe a little bit of an upgrade on Patrick Nemeth, but I don't want to have to give away prospects and draft picks just for the sake of, you know, a, a moderate upgrade on what the Rangers are currently getting out of Nemeth. Now, if we get toward, you know, the trade deadline and Nemeth is really struggling and some of the Rangers' uh, young defenseman prospects, you know, Jones and uh, and Braden Schneider, they're not playing so well either, then I'd be a little bit more open to Nick Letty. So we'll keep Nick Letty in our back pocket for now. The one guy that I really, really like on this list, probably more so than any of the other players here that Eddie mentioned as far as the defense in our concern, is Rasmus Ristolainen. And we're going to run into a familiar issue here, the fact that Rasmus Ristolainen plays for the Philadelphia Flyers. Now, again, 
I don't know that the Flyers would be all that excited to trade one of their players to the New York Rangers. They'd probably be more open to trading Ristolainen to the Rangers than Giroux. I mean, Giroux's been the Flyer captain. He's been with them for a decade and a half. Ristolainen basically just got there. In fact, he did just get there this season. Um, and then the reason I like Ristolainen, he's somebody that was taken in the first round, number eight by Buffalo, all the way back in 2013. I don't know that he's ever really hit. I mean, he's been a good player, but I don't know that he's been like that game-changing player that, you know, the Sabres were hoping they would get. But here's the thing. Rasmus Ristolainen has never played on a good team in his life. He spent the first, let's see, eight seasons of his career with the Buffalo Sabres. We know how it's gone for them over the years. And now he's on the Philadelphia Flyers and they're not playing well either. Uh, I could see Ristolainen, who is still just 27 years old, maybe something just kind of wakes up in him. If he gets to a contending team, gets to be part of a playoff push. Uh, we've talked in the past about how Gerard Gallant, one of his greatest strengths, is getting the absolute best out of all his players, whether you're the most talented player in the world or somebody who's like a borderline in the lineup, healthy scratch kind of a player. Somebody with the talent of Rasmus Ristolainen and somebody who, you know, was a high draft pick has been a good player, but maybe not a superstar like people were expecting him to be. I don't know. I, I think that could work. I, I think that Gerard Gallant and his coaching staff could get Ristolainen to play at a higher level than he's ever played at. And again, I, I think he'd be invigorated by the simple fact that, wow, I actually get to play for a good team. I might actually get to go to the Stanley Cup playoffs. I might actually get to go on a run in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So we'll see. I, I think of all these players that uh, were listed as far as the defenseman, this is my favorite, Rasmus Ristolainen. Keep an eye on him. I, I think he could be... Uh, you know, not that people don't know who he is, but I think he could be uh, kind of the steal of trade deadline season if he does get dealt uh, for whichever team picks him up. I think that uh, could be a really good pickup. At the worst, he'll provide some depth. At the best, again, he'll be excited to play for a playoff contender and he'll play the best hockey he's ever played in his life. That will pretty much do it for today, though, guys. If anybody wants to throw out any other trade ideas or players that the Rangers should trade away from their team, whatever it might be, uh, don't be shy. Definitely get in touch. We could do a round two of this somewhere down the road, probably sometime in February, given that the trade deadline is in March. But that will do it for today, guys. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. And definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time. Thanks for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. In our next episode, we're going to be breaking down everything that happens between the Rangers and Sharks. Now make your second listen, Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It is free and available on all platforms.